0: Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode, my guest talks about the importance of selling with love. Jason Mark Campbell mentions four levels of emotions in sales. And I love the way he explains the five loves in selling, impact, the impact you make, the buyer, the product, the process and self. As the author of Selling with Love and host of the Selling with Love podcast, he is an international public speaker and a trainer on sales and online marketing. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Jason Mark Campbell.
1: Janice, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: It's it's wonderful to talk to you. And I really want to talk more about love and <laughs> selling with love. Now, this is your, your book and you mentioned the four levels of emotions in sales. So tell me more about that.
1: Yeah, let, let's go right into it because what I've recognized in sales, there's a lot of people that have Uh, reluctance in sales, hesitation in sales. And, you know, for those who aren't, you know, enthusiastically professional salespeople, there's quite a a rejection of sales in general, looking at it as a manipulative art, uh, a necessary evil for those who are in business and don't have that, you know, healthy relationship with sales. And what I've recognized is there's four major emotions that people typically sell from. And this goes along with the definition of sales that I use. So I'm catering to people that typically have sales blocks and are maybe more of an impact or you know uh, ethical type of businesses that really want to push a mission forward. So I define it like this: sales is an energy exchange between conscious beings, right? And in this energy exchange, goods and services, money, money being nothing more than stored energy, and then I introduce this element of emotions being energy in motion, right? So at the bottom. Some people I notice have what I call shame and guilt blockages, and this is actually a healthy thing because if you're selling something that's actually quite terrible for the price that you're selling it, yeah, there should be shame and guilt that comes from your sales, and this becomes an indicator to tell you, hey, you should be aligning yourself and selling something that provides genuine solutions to problems that people can value at a great deal, you know? So if that's all there is to it, I see this emotion as a healthy indicator of do better. But most people actually have their own mental chatter around sales saying, oh, I don't want to be like one of those salespeople. And so if I go out and sell, I'll be just like that wolf of Wall Street, which in the media gets blown up and you look at it, it's somebody taking advantage of people, scamming people. And so if you have a level of conscience, of course you can be entertained by the movie, but you wouldn't wanna be one of them because you're literally taking from people and that's just not something you'd wanna associate yourself with. So a lot of the things I recommend here is for people to choose better role models, recognizing we're all salespeople and some of the best people we look up to are also salespeople. Whether you're an Oprah Winfrey fan or an Elon Musk fan, hey, do I dare to say even you're a Donald Trump fan? Whatever it is that you look up to as someone that's influential and that you know, is doing the kind of mission that you believe in aligns with your values, choose that as the identity of how you want to sell and recognize that what you see in the media as the manipulative sales is not the way that good sales happen. That's just the glorified version of Hollywood. And so the great salespeople are not selling from this energy and you don't have to neither. So you can do it with a way that aligns with your values and that truly serves people. And of course, there's a lot of work you could do when it comes to your childhood, maybe your fear of rejection. And that's a whole other topic. And you know, if you're on a journey of personal growth, well, I'll tell you this, being a salesperson is some of the fastest growth you'll ever face because there's such a quick iteration, facing rejection, getting no, learning about interacting with people, being in a relationship with people, every single lead, every single prospect. And so, yeah, it's a fast growth. And if you're not ready for it, it could be something that paralyzes you. But I would encourage people to embrace it and to do it powerfully. So that would be the first of the emotions that I see people where they're completely blocked from selling. But it's easy to overcome if you're trying to stry- if you're trying to structure it in a different way and look at it from a new perspective. Does this make sense, Janice?
0: Um, it, it does. I'm uh, I'm just wondering what are the the four? I mean, I know you've mentioned um, one. So what are th- what are the other three?
1: The next one would be the fear and pride paradox. I have then the rational sabotage, and then the ultimate peak state is to actually sell from a place of love, the love emotion. And that is when you know what you offer is so much more than what you ask in return. And so you become excited, enthusiastic, and energized to be able to sell in a powerful way.
0: So that's the second?
1: No, those are the next four. So you have oh, okay. fear, okay, pride, right. paradox, rational sabotage, and selling with love.
0: Brilliant, lovely, excellent. So um then explain to me the the five loves in selling. So we've got the four levels, emotional levels. So what are the five loves in selling?
1: Yeah. So often when I introduce the levels, it's because people actually don't realize that there is a level of selling with love. And you know, if you're a professional salesperson listening to this saying, what are you talking about love and sales? Come on now. Honestly, you'll see that you can replace love with a word that might be more aligned to you, call it responsibly, selling responsibly, selling while caring about the sales you make. And whenever you want to step into this state, I speak about five loves you should have And the first love you should definitely be paying attention to here is loving the impact of every sale you make. See, when you make a sale, an impact will happen. That'll happen directly to the buyer. If you're working with an organization that's doing multiple sales, more and more people that buy into the product or service that you do, there's going to be a ripple effect within that buyer's community and ultimately in the world. I mean, if I become an excellent salesperson, I can't think of a movie like, uh, thank you for smoking. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, Janice, where a man is a lobbyist for big tobacco and the more he's affected as his job, the more he's getting people to actually pick up cigarettes as a habit. Now, I don't want to create any shame around smoking, but the more effective you are, you're realizing you might be having a negative impact on the sales you make. So keep that on your conscience, right? So there's a ripple effect of every sale that you make, especially if you do repeated sales. And I often want to include also, what's the impact that you have for yourself? Because if you're selling, you want, to, you want to make money, you want to provide for your family, you want to grow in your career, and that's okay. And when you start with really mapping out the impact that you make, you start having the right marketing material and being actually excited getting out of bed and going to make those sales. So that's the first one. Now, moving forward, once you have that, I talk about the second, which is love the buyer. And the clearest way to explain how to love the buyer is very simple, understand the buyer. This is where you do your market research. This is where you define your target avatar. This is where you do surveys, you get on interactions and start truly understanding what's the problem you're solving? How are they seeing it? And how do you speak the language so they'll understand the value you provide? And then the third love is actually loving the product. And what I suggest for people here is don't fake it. You know, you hear fake it till you make it. No, no, no. Don't fake it. Make it. Make your product amazing. You know, when I was talking about the shame and gill blockages earlier, well, if your product isn't at the standard of what you're selling it as, up the standard of your product. And so what can you include? How, what features could you modify? What price adjustments can you make? And I'm usually not suggesting people to reduce the price. I actually suggest them. What would it look like if your price was higher? What features would you need to include? So you'd still be confident selling it, knowing that it truly addresses the needs of your buyers. Because you've done the previous step. You've taken the time to understand the buyer. This brings me to the fourth level, or the fourth love in sales, which is actually love the process of selling. And this is where you get curious, you get excited because you know the impact, you understand the buyer and you have a great product. So why not use every trick in the book that allows you to be more effective in the way that you're selling? Yes, go out and find these CRMs. Yes, use these tools to automate your work, reach more people. Yes, use these tools that allows you to convert. Use these scripts that make you more effective. And this is not manipulation. This is actually empathy. This is you learning the language that is necessary for people to understand the value that you want to provide to them. You've done your homework. You're coming from a place of love. So go use the tactics that are necessary for you to make those sales necessary. Now, I I do add a caveat in this one, Janice, which is use the magician approach, which reveals his trick, which is like, you know, if you're pulling a, a rabbit out of a hat and then you make it, you know, where did it come from? And you say, does everybody want to know what happens to the rabbit when I make it disappear? People ask, well, what, what? And you're like, well, I kill the rabbit people would be shocked. They'd be like, what, why did you do that? And so if you're using any tactics in sales, go with it with a mindset that what would happen if you would reveal every technique to your buyer? Would they be appalled? Would they feel cheated? Well, use the techniques that would pass this test and then go boldly and sell. And then the final one, Janice, is actually a bit where I bring the personal growth element, which is a big background of what I've done, which is love the self. A lot of this comes back to how do you perceive yourself? How do you manage your own energy? How do you show up with you know, the enthusiasm, the excitement, as well as the energy necessary? Because sales, it can be a tough gig. We face rejection. We have emotional cycles. So what habits are you doing to be at your best self? And recognizing that every time you show up, you show up as your best. I pull from an author that I really love, which is Don Miguel Luis, The Four Agreements. And one of them being, you're always doing your best. Even if you're having a bad day, so don't go there with an idea that, oh, I feel like I'm I'm not doing well. No, you're doing the best for now. But if you want to improve, that opportunity is always there.
0: I, I love these um, five loves of selling, impact, loving the, the, the buyer and the product and the process and, and loving you, yourself. It reminds me of Larry Levine that talks about selling from, from the heart. Um, and it, much of selling is evol- has evolved and is continuing to evolve away from the, the hard sell of, of pushing and rather what I talk about is enabling your buyer to buy because a buyer, it's in the title, they're there to buy. Um, and I, I love these uh, five selling um, loves Um yeah, I think I'm going to use that, and especially impact as well, focusing on the impact that that you have and the the outcome. So yeah, this is this is great. So thank you for sharing um, that with us, uh, Jason. So this is for all in your book, Selling with Love. Um, so I, I look forward to um, kind of discovering more about uh, about this. I'm kind of like half halfway through, so um, I wanted you to share that at, at the top. So. You mentioned about personal development, and I know that you, you know, you, prior to the pandemic, you were working with with Mind Valley, and you're still a contractor with with Mind Valley. So, I wanted you to share this uh, story of how they adapted in the pandemic because I thought this was really interesting we're still adapting to the pandemic um, and having to adapt the way that we do business. So I thought it would be useful for you to share more about that.
1: Yeah. Well, I I do want to add a fact that I had Larry that you've quoted with selling from the heart. He's been on my podcast as well. And what I've noticed as a trend that you're also noticing is that this is a new way of selling that is being embraced. And it's almost like the idea is so relevant, so fresh. And I've seen five people release books of a similar genre. I have a lady that I've interviewed talking about selling like we're human. There's another person that wrote a book called Sell from Love. And this is great. These are all allies that are making that shift from the old guard to the new. So I'm very excited about that trend. Now, if I'm speaking about adapting to the pandemic, an example of Mind Valley. I didn't stay with them that long once the pandemic hit. But one thing I would say is being that it was quite an... Uh, an agile company. And it also noticed a lot of trends ahead of time. We had been investing for you know two years, three years prior into technologies that allow for remote work. We had already noticed that there was a huge demand from the, the top employees, the people that want to spend more time with their family. And even being that these were values we were encouraging to our clients who were studying personal growth, we started upgrading the capabilities to allow for remote work, creating policies around that. And so when the pandemic hit, and now we had a remote distributed team, already we had offices in Europe, offices in Asia, and then some people were located in America as well. We already had the capabilities and processes to be able to come together and still be operational. So this was good. Now, we also had live events. And what I've noticed is there's a lot of companies, what they had as a a business model was live events first, digital products second. But the model for Mindvalley was actually digital products first, live events second. And so with the fact that these live events were cut, it's very interesting because they were such an amazing experience for our customers, but they were not profit generators. No, they were experience enhancers and loyalty enhancers for our clients. And so everybody understood that, yeah, live events can't happen. So we started to create more of these ways that we could connect digitally, but it gave us an incredible level of focus. You know, at first we were quite careful. We were noticing buying trends were quite down from the moment the pandemic hit. Nobody knew what was going on. But then something interesting happened. A lot of people being in lockdown, having a little more extra time, have actually turned to personal growth as a way to use that extra time to continue to grow and to start implementing ideas when it comes to mindfulness, spirituality, you know, health and fitness. And this was a niche that we were already very big in. And so we were quite lucky as an organization at the time, we saw buying trends go up. And because we didn't have live events, everyone was focused on the digital experience. So we actually saw productivity go up. And so we got quite lucky when the pandemic happened as an industry, uh, and now things are normalizing, you know, we've, we've adapted to this new normal, uh, but we're really uh, excited to bring back these live events. And this is going to be the exciting things that I know they're doing for this year, uh, bringing everybody, the big community together. And boy, are people looking forward to it. I think we're tired of being locked down and we're looking for that magical space to connect. And I know these events are going to be quite a popular one. So I'm excited to participate myself.
0: I talk a lot about um, buyer experience and, and how selling is not about and I think you talk about this it's not about the product it's actually about the experience and the reason why I wanted you to talk about mind value is because it's all about the experience it's the experience that you have with yourself and you mentioned this in in your your five um, um, ways to, to kind of love, selling Um, and it's the experience with your buyer. You mentioned um, that again, really loving them. And you mentioned the word empathy. So how do you kind of reconcile The experience and how important that is, the experience of selling, the experience with yourself, personal development, and empathising with your, your, your buyers and your customers and really stepping into the shoes. Because I think when all of that happens, then you're able to continue to evolve in line with what your buyers and your customers want. If you can step into the shoes of those, the people you want to sell to, serve I say then you're better able to do that because you're better able to empathize with them and you're standing from a place of confidence and security within yourself because of the personal learning that you've done so talk to me more about that
1: yeah that's brilliant um there's two big things I want to pick up from this is number one is there's so many products at Valley that I am a consumer of and so during my time there I was, what do you say? Uh, I I hate the expression that they use, which is eat your own dog food. And I think we changed it in a cute one, which is actually sipping your own fine wine. Um, I don't drink, but still, I think it's a cuter expression. And when it came to marketing products that I actually would participate in, then it would be easy for me to empathize and to connect with what were the solutions that came to me. But I'll say a huge, but I am not the representative of every avatar that we do business with. And I think we sometimes get into a trap of only thinking that the person that we're selling to is exactly like us. And there's this interesting story I share within my book, which is about selling a product that I had actually no association with. It was a a, a modality that I didn't necessarily resonate with. I didn't have the problems that it spoke about fixing. And I went to experience it myself and I said, well, it doesn't work really well for me. But again, I realized I am not the buyer. And so in order to appreciate the experience and in order to design the sales process to resonate with the people... I'm a big fan of having those conversations with your buyers. And so luckily this was a product we had sold in the past and I could get on the phone with a lot of people who bought it in the past. And then I got curious, like I'm an innately very curious person when it comes to the way I sell. So what I did is I started contacting them, asking them, why did you buy? What happened when you buy? Did it provide the solution you were looking for? Tell me how your life changed. What are the things you tell the people when the moment you bought it, do you even tell your friends that you bought it? And I was able to discover so much about them. And then I realized, wow, the transformation that this provides to the people who need it is enormous. So yeah, I designed the entire buying experience under, understanding this and was even able to use a lot of their stories in the marketing material. Another thing I'd love to add to this is, well, a lot of times we feel that the sales process finishes at the closing, but actually there's an entire sales process that you need to build from the moment they've bought. It's just like thinking that you know, one of the most commonly used sales closing techniques that happen for a lot of us in the world is, will you marry me? (laughs) The success of the marriage isn't from them saying yes. It's about the experience that happens once that happened. And so thinking about the fact that when you sell, what is the experience you've designed from the moment they've become a customer so that they continue to have a beautiful journey. And that again, is a sales process to make sure that they are truly moving towards the solution and getting rid of the problem that you've promised that you'd eradicate in the process.
0: Uh, I, in the Scale Yourself framework, we um, talk a lot about the buying process. Actually, is the forerunner for the entire relationship, because if that engagement doesn't go well, then the re- as you say in the marriage, uh, that you know the proposal doesn't go well, then actually the marriage isn't isn't on a safe foundation. So it's that's why you put so much energy or should put so much energy into that experience, into the buying um, process to ensure that the rest that you have the lifetime value of that particular uh, customer. So yeah, that's really interesting. So what do you think in terms of the um, B2B sellers and and buyers, and I know that you work a lot with B2C, um, but with B2C, B2B is following that track. So a lot of what we learn in B2C, we're actually now doing in in B2B. And I think in B2B, we've recognized that we're not selling to a company, we're selling to individuals. And so there are a lot of similarities. In complex sales, there are a lot of differences as well. So do you think that the um, the industry has shifted enough to be buyer and customer centric?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because of my lack of experience in B2B, I often think like, oh, I think B2B are way ahead of the B2C. But when I hear you say this, I'm like, wait, no, there's trends that we're ahead of the game and the industry is catching up. It's not there yet. There's a lot of the old guard that's still what needs to happen there for the sales to be closed. but I think that shift is coming really fast. And I'd say a huge accelerator to this shift has been the platform LinkedIn. And that's just broken down the walls between not just selling to the company, but understanding the individuals who choose to work at that company. And now guess what? Yes, as an independent seller, you do need a personal brand. You do need a social presence. You do need to connect with the individuals and you can, you can reach out to them. And it becomes so beautiful because now you start actually building a relationship and truly starting to understand the needs. And we have access like we never had before. But I think at the end of the day, people just want to see that their problems get solved. And if they can do it with somebody that they can trust, that they like, and that actually is bringing it in a way that is easy, convenient. You know, one of the best things I love, uh, an author that I've done business with is uh, Vern Harnish wrote the book, Scaling Up uh, and Rockefeller Habits. And he talks about the purpose of every business is just to have an easy button for whatever you solve. And I think as we adapt to this new way of selling, we're just trying to make things easier for all the business to truly operate on what they need to focus on with knowing that salespeople are there to provide solutions. So yeah, getting attention, fantastic. Earning their trust, even more important.
0: Absolutely, absolutely love that. So let me ask you: I know that you're on a desert island already in Bali, but if you were on another smaller, more isolated desert island, what would you take with you?
1: <laughs> I thought this this was an interesting question. The first thing I thought of is like, I, can I take a yacht? Like, <laughs> then I could just you know sail it away. Um, but at the same time, there was a part of me that was like well, I'd love to bring someone else. Can I do that as well? Because then it won't leave me alone. But now I trap someone else in a desert island. Um, And so it's almost the way of my thinking is always trying to see, is there a space that I can, you know, it's like that person that gets a magic lamp, only gets three wishes in their first wish. They want to ask for a thousand more wishes. Um, so I'm definitely looking at that question, thinking of those answers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought your 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 answers were quite interesting because the answers are quite telling about the personality. Really, um, some people relish being on a desert island for a while. Some people want a mobile phone to phone someone to get off straight straight away um but i actually like the fact that you went through a thought process of thinking can i take this and can i do that and, and and so forth so yeah it's quite interesting that uh you wanted to get a yacht to get off but you're actually living on an island now
1: <laughs> so but it's not deserted so i got my social circles that's important to me but yeah, so, i would say part of my personality is asking clarifying questions it
0: certainly is but also i thought it was interesting having worked with mind valley and and talking about um selling with love connection is something that seems to be really important to you and i think that the pandemic as well has really aligned our levels of connection how important that is and who is important to be in our lives i don't know what you think
1: a hundred percent i mean I've done a lot of personal growth work. I know one of my core values is belonging. And so working at a company like Mindvalley that actually brings people together, uh, make sure nobody less gets left behind, aligns so perfectly with my values, which is why it was such a joy to work there.
0: And I think through selling, that, that I think selling has a real gift to ensure that you're serving the people that you love, whether it's the people in your inner circle or, you know, in your professional life as well. And it is, I really like selling with love because it's about giving connection and love and treating people, really focusing and really listening to them and really serving their needs. And it's a real honor to be able to do that. Amen. So it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Jason, and I've really, really enjoyed it. And I urge people to go and read your your book, Selling um, With Love. So thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales Podcast.
1: It was my pleasure, Janice. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales Podcast. If you like this discussion, Feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.